Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are now listening to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk all things related to mental health, life lessons, and the culture. My goal is to help each and every listener pursue and center wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist. Now let's get into it. Somebody say it's a confidence for me. It's a confidence for me. I'm just going to say it confidently. Say it's the confidence for me. It's the confidence for me. It's the um, and based on those traumas that we experienced during slavery, some of those same behaviors, the attitudes, um, you know, the belief systems that we adopted as slaves can be passed down to generations after that. Um, and that is why we see like the hyper. Yeah, amen. You're a treasure. Um, Dr. Chandra Reynolds, yeah. uh, thank you so much. I'm shutting up and listening. I'm learning so much. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are now tuned into season two of the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. Y'all, I'm so excited. JR, I think I would make it this long. Like, this, <laughs> this is legit. Uh, just ex- an exciting moment because so many people come and go in this industry, and I'm just excited to be back for a second season. Y'all have been hitting me up in my DMs. I was on a little uh, social media break, but y'all were asking, like, when's the next time the podcast is coming out? When's the next time we're going to get a YouTube video? When are you going to launch something on Facebook? And that was really meaningful to me because it showed me that you guys value my perspective and you value my clinical opinions. And I really appreciate being missed, um, if I can be truthfully honest. And season two, I feel like it's just going to be 10 times hotter than the first season. And I'm so happy to share this season with you. So what I need you to do right now in this very moment, I need you to take your device and I need you to share this podcast with as many people as possible. So if you're listening via uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else we listen to the audio podcast on Wednesdays, I need you to share it with as many people as possible. If you are tuned into the YouTube that launches on Thursday nights or on the Facebook Live that launches on Thursday nights around 9 p.m., I need you to click that share button at the bottom part of your screen and share it, share it, share it share it with as many people as possible. Today is going to be a very important episode. We're going to be talking about some current events that has been transpiring over the past month. And I feel as though it's important for me to hold space for you guys, because even though I haven't really been talking about it, I haven't really been on the scene like that. I need to to hold space for y'all. Like we, we've been through a lot. Uh, caregivers are going through a lot. People are, who are in the he- helping profession, we're going through a lot, having to to uh, support so many people with the tragedies that this country has been experiencing. And I feel like right now, more than ever, this country is in need of mental health support. And I'm so happy to offer that to you in this first season two episode. But before we get into that, I just wanted to give you an update as to some of the things that I've been doing. So you guys know the last uh, episode of the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast was probably around March-ish. So around March is when we decided to take a pause so that we can gear up for season two and come back strong. During that season, y'all know, uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, I had like a lot of speaking engagements lined up for March and April. It was literally like every single weekend to the point where I didn't have time to record on the weekend. I didn't really have time to uh, shoot any content for social media on the weekend, which is when I usually do it. So I had to take a break from that. So 
uh, even though I took a break from the social media stuff and the podcasting stuff, uh, I felt as though I was still walking in purpose because I was still able to reach so many people through public speaking and talking about mental health and faith in mental health and black mental health at uh, Rutgers. And it was just a beautiful experience, even though um, some areas of my life were uh, kind of, I, I was you know, dialing it back a little bit so I can tend to other areas. In addition to that, y'all know I have been launching the private practice. Well, it's already launched, but building the private practice. So right now, uh, I finally have a name. So y'all ready for this? Jay, are you ready for this? My private practice name is Oasis Wellness Hub. That's cute, right? <laughs> JR is over there clapping his hands. Thank you, JR. I, I worked hard on that name. Uh, so I, I want this to be a hub. Why Oasis? Because an oasis is basically a, a body of water and a dry place and a desert place, right? And so I want it to be a place where people, where families, where teens can come when they feel as though they're in a dry point in their lives, when they feel as though things aren't working out for them in life. I want them to feel like they can come to Dr. Shonda's practice and get that oasis feeling that they need. When they feel like life is, you know, going through so many ups and downs, they can come to my practice and get whatever it is that they need. So I'm excited for y'all to come to the hub. If you're in need of any types of services, y'all know what to do. You can hit me up on any sort of, uh, on my website, which is also launching soon and also via email. My phone number, my uh, business phone number is listed on my social media page. So excited about that. In addition to that, so while I have been on this little break, so you guys know I also function in ministry, so I've had the opportunity to serve alongside my parents um, in order to create the, the 26th Annual Prayer Power Conference. And it was an amazing time. It was blessed. So many people uh, received a, a charge in their prayer lives, and it's just always an honor to serve my mother and father in ministry. Um, in addition to that, so I literally been taking care of myself. I was texting my homegirl, Dr. Afia. I'm like, Dr. Afia, I ran five miles for the first time in my life. Y'all, I'm not a runner at all. But during this break, like this time away from social, this time away from, you know, podcasting and doing other things that I really enjoy, I had a chance to really tap into my physical, spiritual and mental health. And that meant for me running, right? Like starting the running journey, being able to uh, just build endurance physically. So y'all, your girl has been running every morning. Like it legit has been changing my life and I don't want to go back. And that's one thing I vowed to myself to never do. I'll never lose that balance again. I want to be able to feel like I can put as much work and effort into uh, like the physical things as well as the spiritual things and the mental things while also being able to show up in these other spaces in my life because I know God has called me to not just uh, work with individuals on an individual basis and therapy but also he's called me to platforms he's called me to be able to speak to the masses he's called me to be able to you know go on TV and talk about mental health so I want to be able to do all of those things but also be able to hold that balance and that's just one of the things that I've really been practicing during this time away but I cannot tell y'all how excited I am to be back because it's been a journey y'all it has been a journey one of the things uh, in my return back onto social media that I've been talking about is how I've been practicing creative self-care so basically for us creators uh, those who are in the creative industry y'all know that when it's time for us to take a break or to take a step back 
it can be hard not to create anything. So I figured that it would probably be best for me to engage in creative methods of self-care. And for me, that included, you know, going to art exhibits and going to, you know, engaging in plant care, like all these different strategies and methods that I've been using in order to take care of myself from a creative angle. I posted about it on my social media page, but also if you want a whole episode on it, I can do that too. I just need y'all to drop a comment in the comment section or write uh, a rate a writer rating in the podcast so that I can know that's something that y'all truly want. And while I'm here, I need y'all to go ahead and rate the podcast so y'all don't know how much that helps the podcast, but it really helps with numbers and helping with the algorithm and boosting the podcast up to be in the ranks of like some of the top mental health podcasts. And I really believe that, you know, so many people are being blessed with this podcast and I truly enjoy the things that y'all have been sharing so far, but do me a favor, continue to rate the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to the audio podcast. All right, so y'all know the first segment that we typically get into is the hot off the press segment. So this is typically where we talk about things that are happening in the news, things that are happening in regards to current events. So for today, we're gonna actually stay on the hot off the press segment. We're gonna be talking about the current events and then we're gonna kind of segue into what that means to us, what that means in regards to us taking care of our mental health and how we can combat this on an individualistic as well as on a communal or systemic level in order to, to um, combat some of these things that we've been experiencing over the past month. All right, so I'm gonna start with May the 14th, 2022. So on May the 14th, 2022, there was a mass shooting that occurred in Buffalo, New York uh, and at Topps Friendly Market. So those of you who are, well, those of you who aren't familiar with the Buffalo, New York area, so I am not uh, too familiar with it either, but apparently in the east side of the neighborhood, this is where predominantly uh, black people reside. So in this area at the Topps Friendly Market, there was a shooting. So apparently this individual specifically targeted black people, therefore he went to a predominantly black neighborhood in a, a black grocery store or predominantly black consumers. Uh, ten people were killed, three other people were injured, the shooter live-streamed part of the attack. And so whenever somebody live-streams an attack, they're trying to send... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Message. They want you to know that they meant what they're doing. They want you to know that they're not remorseful. They want you to know that, you know, I did this and, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's really a bold statement that they're making. And when I was thinking about this specific case, I want us to kind of like keep into perspective that, of course, you know, it's, it's tragic that so many people passed away, so many lives were lost, I'm sorry, didn't just pass away, they were killed, gunned down. Um, and also keep in mind the racial implications that are impacting this, right? So it wasn't that just random people died. No, these were targeted people. These were black people, individuals of African descent. He specifically went into this neighborhood to target these people. And y'all know I'm not into re-traumatizing yourself because I feel as though um, America capitalizes off of black trauma, so they're going to resurface that live stream over and over again because people want to see it, right? And so I'm not into that type of stuff, but I did accidentally see it. It came up on my feed, um, or, or somebody had sent it to me before I knew what it was. 
And so you see when this individual is uh, shooting people and, and, you know, targeting black people, you see when he gets to the white people, he accidentally kills them and says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to target you. And to me, that was so hurtful, that was painful, because of course, again, he was sending that message that he was targeting a specific group of people. When thinking about the racial trauma of this, and if you guys don't know what racial trauma is, I want you to go back a few episodes. We talk about it at length in this podcast. We talk about how we can be traumatized based on racially stimulating uh, situations, situations that are provoked by racism, right? And so with this specific individual who killed so many people in this grocery store, I can imagine how many people experience racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress after watching this. I'm not talking about the other people in the grocery store. I'm talking about you watching it at home. I'm talking about the, your, your mom, your sister, your brother, your cousin, people who were at home and watching this or even hearing about it because that's how trauma works. We're going to get into vicarious trauma in a minute. So, so we had this shooting that occurred in, in, uh, May, on May the 14th in 20. 22. And so weeks later, not too far after that, there was another shooting that happened at an elementary school. Researchers um, and newscasters, they're actually saying with the numbers that were generated now, we can say that this is the worst mass shooting in a school setting that we've had in history. So this is worse than Sandy Hook. This is worse than the other school shootings that we previously had. Think about it. After experiencing and witnessing the situations that happened on May the 14th, weeks later, we're being re-traumatized. We're being re-exposed to another mass shooting. Now, my heart, I, I had no other, I, I couldn't do anything else but to, to sob and to have a heavy heart for the individuals who were lost. And again, going back to the racial implications, of course, it's, it's so many factors that are involved in this, but also thinking about uh, going back to the Buffalo shooting, this individual wasn't necessarily, uh, he, of course, he, he killed people. He, he, it was a massacre that happened at this grocery store, but then he was carried out with care by the police. He wasn't gunned down on the spot uh, like so many of our brothers and sisters, like Brother John Crawford or Tamir Rice. Both of these individuals were gunned down by the police, not for shooting anybody, not for pointing a rifle at anybody, but they were simply holding a toy gun. John Crawford had a, a rifle that was, um, it wasn't a real rifle, it was a toy rifle. So it was designed to look like a, rif a rifle in a Walmart. He wasn't pointing it at nobody. He simply just had it in his hand and he was gunned down. Tamir Rice was playing with a, a toy gun that happened to be green. I've never saw a real green gun in my life, but the police officers don't, officers don't see that. They see uh, black people. And when an individual is black, they're more likely to be perceived as a threat by law enforcement because of internal biases. And so when we take these into consideration and we look at how this uh, white individual uh, and we're, I don't even remember this dude's name, but we see this individual being carried out by the police, handled with care, uh, you know, being tended to with his wounds, giving him water to drink. They was, I saw him, you know, putting water in his, his mouth to drink. And I'm not saying you don't treat people like a human being, because at the end of the day, y'all know 
uh, I endorse Christian values. I believe that we are to, to, again, treat people like a human being, but also keep the same energy with him that y'all did with Tamir Rice. Keep the same energy with him that y'all did with Philando Castile. Keep the same energy with him that y'all did with Breonna Taylor. And that's how we know like it's a, it's a deeper issue. It's not necessarily just about the guns. Let me be clear. Guns is an issue. I'm not saying... I'm not one of them people who's saying, oh, guns ain't the issue. No, guns is the issue. But also we're dealing with the matter of those unconscious biases, a matter of the heart. And so it's so heartbreaking when thinking about all these tragedies that are, that are impacting us. And two weeks later, y'all, having to deal with the things that happened at the school, having to deal with so many students and teachers being gunned down at the schools. Y'all, this was heartbreaking. And I had no other... If I could just kind of express to y'all some of the things that I was hearing from other professionals, right? So people experiencing frustration, people who live in New York, you know, some of the, the homies, the therapists who live in New York who were like, how am I supposed to provide care for my clients if I'm traumatized too, based on what's going on? How am I supposed to show up for my clients in Texas if, you know, I'm, I'm traumatized too by what happened with these school settings. And it's so many people who were impacted by this specific, these specific situations. And we really have to take a second not only to address the, the systemic issues, not only to address the, the political issues and, you know, the, the guns and policy and the infrastructure pertaining to gun laws and things of that nature. We, we have to address those. I'm not saying we, we don't have to, but we also really need to be paying attention to our mental health. Is this impacting my daily functioning? Is this impacting my mental health? I had a couple people hitting me up like, what do we do from here? I don't, I don't know how to make sense of this. I don't, I don't know how to, to take my kid to daycare anymore and, and function without worrying at home. And I just want y'all to know that that is absolutely normal to experience. And that's why I wanted to hold space for you today. It is normal to experience these emotions, whether you're anxious, whether you're fearful, whether you're, you're upset. Whatever it is, it is absolutely normal. You can experience a wide range of emotions because you are human. And I want to normalize that for you today. So we're holding space, y'all. We are holding space. So, so why is this topic important? So I kind of alluded to in the beginning of this podcast how vicarious trauma works. Not saying that every individual who watched this thing on TV or who has heard about it is traumatized. But I think it is important for us to acknowledge that vicarious trauma can play a role in this. So when we talk about trauma, we're basically saying an individual who experiences a very difficult situation where they don't have the internal resources to cope with it. And vicarious trauma is basically an indirect exposure to a traumatic event through firsthand account or a narrative at that event, of that event. So not necessarily saying that I got into a car accident, but hearing about a family member or a friend being involved in a bad car accident, that can cause what we call vicarious trauma to an individual. Not saying that I was physically attacked, but me witnessing on TV, I think a lot of us experienced vicarious trauma when the whole world watched our brother George Floyd lose his life on TV after having a knee on his neck for nine minutes. That was called vicarious trauma. We weren't directly traumatized, but vicariously, we experienced trauma through witnessing it through our brother. 
And the same thing can happen when we witness so many tragedies that are happening back to back. It's not like we have enough. We had enough room to breathe. It wasn't like these tragedies happened months apart. It was literally weeks, y'all. Literally weeks. And not only these these national tragedies, but but think about what happens in our communities from day to day. I just saw uh, one of my um, homies. Shout out to uh, Mental. Black Men Hill in Philadelphia. So Black Men Hill, they posted that they lost 14 people in Philly over Memorial Day weekend due to gun violence. This isn't necessarily just something that we just have to pay attention to because, you know, it, it made the national news and it's, you know, these tragedies. Of course, that was it was horrible that it happened, but we also have to pay attention to, okay, how is this also impacting us in, in our communities, right? Because no if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Situation is impor more important than the other. No life is more valuable than the other. You know, we definitely praying for the families in, in Texas, but we said that was around what, 19? People, they said 14 in Philly. That's not that's not too far off. That's that's not a significant difference. So we really have to pay attention to how these situations are impacting us. And so how do we deal with the anxiety of the emotions associated with these tragedies that we're experiencing, whether it's day to day or a national tragedy? So some some one of my uh, line sisters reached out and said, you know, I'm having a hard time even leaving the house. Like, I don't I don't want to leave the house. And like I said, that's normal. But because y'all know who I am, y'all know my background. I'm a firm advocate in utilizing faith based strategies in order to overcome some of the psychological turmoil that we might experience. The number one thing that I suggest is prayer. Sometimes we we sometimes taking a step back. And really allowing yourself to be centered through prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to center you can change your perspective when it comes to dealing with national tragedies. Because think about it. We don't have complete control over what happens to our children when they leave our house. We don't have complete control over what happens to our loved ones when they leave our house. But what we do have is James 5 and 16, which says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. So when I pray... That means that my prayers of the righteous, they're going to avail. They have to come to pass. Why? Because I'm righteous, because he called me righteous. So when I'm experiencing, whether it's anxiety or fear, or the wide range of emotions that us as people that we've been experiencing as a result of these tragedies, we can pray, we can give it to God. And I know it sounds simple, but I promise y'all, it works. It literally works. You're looking at a testimony of how prayer has changed and turned around so many different situations. It definitely works. Number two, it is important to be safe without allowing anxiety to paralyze you. So to be safe without allowing anxiety to paralyze you. Okay, what does that mean, Dr. Shonda? I'm so glad you asked. So, so when it comes to national tragedies and the things that we've witnessed uh, via you know, watching it on TV or what have you, Yes, we might have a level of anxiety, a level of fear associated with that. That might make me a bit more vigilant, making me more aware of what's going on. I might be um, more cognizant of, you know, walking to my car from 
walking into the grocery store, I might be more aware. But those situations, of course, you give yourself time to like grieve and to process things, but it shouldn't allow you to, it shouldn't paralyze you. We, sh- we cannot allow anxiety to paralyze us, to keep us into our homes. That can turn into another diagnosis, which we call agoraphobia. So agoraphobia is usually individuals who have some level of anxiety to the point where they are not able to leave their homes. Sometimes it can get so uh, restricting to the point where they can't even leave a certain area in their house, their, their houses. So I, I'm so, uh, I feel so unsafe that I can't leave my bedroom. I feel so unsafe that I can't leave my bathroom. I have to set up my mattress in the bathroom. Yes, we, you know, I've seen all these types of cases. So agoraphobia is the, the, um, the more so a more intense version of this, but it starts with us allowing fear to paralyze us, us allowing anxiety to paralyze us and keeping us in our homes and keeping us away from family and friends. So we have to, of course, like be vigilant, be prayerful, be mindful of our surroundings, but we cannot allow anxiety to keep us confined to our homes or keep us into that, that safe space. It's all, I'm not, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be safe. Yes, we should be safe, but we shouldn't be um, practicing what we call safety behaviors, which is basically behaviors that we engage in in order to reduce anxiety or to make us feel as though uh, we, we can't. It makes us feel as though we're, we're stuck in a certain way of living. We can't uh, overcome the certain things. So if y'all have questions about that, y'all can definitely reach out and ask because I get a lot of questions when it comes to uh, like the safety behaviors. It's one thing that I often teach like my families that I'm working with and parents and such. Um, people who are anxious, they have safety behaviors, but it doesn't mean engaging in them is healthy. It doesn't mean that it's safe. That can keep us in cycles and we perpetuate that hierarchy of anxiety. It keeps us from enjoying life, it keeps us from experiencing new things, and therefore we do not engage in that. Also, we are to support our children. So during times of national tragedy, yes, I wanna hold space for y'all, but I also want you to hold space for your children. I want you to hold space for your younger cousins. I want you to hold space for you know anybody in uh, your life who might be a child, who might be having a hard time processing what's going on, right? Because at the end of the day, kids are feeling this thing too. We just had a whole school shooting. We had a whole massacre happening in Texas. That was televised on TV. We have to really uh, start checking in with our children and not dismissing them. Like because they're a particular age, that means that, oh, they're not thinking about this or, or they're not anxious about this or they don't have emotions about that, no. Children are still human beings. They're going to experience a wide range of emotions just like we do. Therefore, as parents or guardians or caregivers, we want to validate their emotions. We want to help them label and name their emotions. So asking them, like, what is it that you're feeling right now? And we don't accept things like, oh, I'm feeling okay or I'm feeling good. Because I always say to my team, good and okay, they are not emotions. All right is not an emotion. I need you to identify an emotion. If you have a hard time, I can show you a list of emotions and we can label it together. But it's important to get them to identify how they're feeling. In addition to that, we want to help to provide reassurance to our children. Letting them know, yes, what happened was scary uh, in Texas. Yes, what happened uh, you know, to these children, it was scary, but I want to reassure you that when you're here in this home, you're safe. Mommy and daddy are gonna do what we need to do to protect you. You are safe here. 
That is how we build up their confidence. That's how we build up that level of reassurance so that they don't feel like they're, they're, they're the next target, right? So we always wanna make sure we're providing those things, especially to our children. So I really hope those three strategies, those three tips helped you. Uh, like I said, it was my goal to hold space for you. It was my goal to really uh, get into acknowledging how we can be there for one another and to, to, to really provide a safe space, to provide an emotionally supportive, safe space uh, in order to help us to overcome what we're dealing with because we don't heal in isolation. Us trying to overcome this by ourselves is not gonna work. It happened to us as a community. It happened as a national tragedy. Therefore, we must target it from a communal angle. So y'all, that is my episode for today. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed it. Please reach out with any questions and I want you to enjoy the remainder of your day. Catch me next Wednesday on the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. God bless. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.